This is a View from the Bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 24th of September 2019. My name is is Patrick Smith. Well, another mixed weekend for the Belfast Giants in uh, in cup and league competition. We uh, we had a bit of a mixed weekend. Last weekend, we spoke about it, and this weekend, not that much of a difference. A few more points, but a bit more crack to talk about. Um, on this week's show, we're going to be hearing from Liam Morgan, Jean Dupuy, and Jeff Mason. We'll also have a chat with the five-head coach, Todd Dudian, but first of all, Mr. McJimsey, how are you? Not bad, Paddy. Keeping well? Not bad. Well, actually, am I keeping well? That's a good question. I've had a little incident this week that I've got to tell you about. I've got to unburden myself sometimes on AVFTV. You, you know <laughs> yourself. Share, share, share. Well, well, you know, I'm a very sharing guy. You know yourself when maybe you've overindulged in the beetroot, the things that can happen. Okay, you know, I've, I did it once before, scared myself, thought I'd like burst please tell me, Please tell me this doesn't involve a rabbit doesn't involve a rabbit but anyway so the kids were um cooking muffins or buns at the weekend and rather than ice them they actually used pure food coloring to decorate them unknown to me so first mm-hmm. of all i've had them and my teeth have gone blue and my tongue's gone blue good work but the next but the next day i've gone for the you know the ablutions and um couldn't understand <laughs> couldn't understand why they're they're green <laughs> and it's now it's now tuesday so it's saturday sunday monday tuesday you're clean of it still bright green man you're joking me Unbelievable! I'm 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 starting to think our like my insides are stained beyond cleaning here. And could it be any worse color? I always knew, <laughs> I, I always knew deep down you were a green. That's it, mate. What can I say? Ah, <laughs> uh, dear, that's brilliant. How long do you have to wait for that sort of thing to clear? I'll let you know on next week. You from the bridge. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear, Mister Simon Kitchen, how are you? I'm good, man. I've just finished painting my bathroom orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that, I really hope that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I'm, I'm pretty good this week. Yeah, thank you. You have a good, enjoyable, uh, enjoyable weekend? Uh, it was okay, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll certainly get on to talk about the games. Uh, busy weekend, but it's uh, been a busy couple of weeks. But um, yeah, all good. I nearly forgot to mention we're also going to be joined by Andrew Dixon on the uh, on the fan agenda. You were uh, you were doing a bit of comms with him as well. Do you know what I really enjoy doing uh, comms with Dicko. He's um, I mean, he doesn't look the brightest bulb in the box, but um, you know he, he switched on. He knows what he's talking about, uh, and you know he's in the room every day as well, which again we're, we're looking forward to having a chat with him about. So it's uh, it's always good to get a player's perspective and a, a player who's still involved. Um, I... You know to get his view on it and what likes it. Uh, the guys that we're talking about or, or what's happening there uh, with other coaching staff, what the message coming across. So, yeah, it's always good. I really am enjoying the mix-up of uh, yeah. commentary this season. And, you know, and not so much really enjoyed Johnny when he did it, really enjoyed, you know, Mace when he did it. But I like that, you've, you know, you're mixing it up because you're getting different, and especially from different positions as well. You know, when goalies were making saves at the weekend there, Dicko's talking the technical detail, which is really interesting. And as you say, he's talking about Matt Pellets in the dressing room and, you know, things about leadership. And, you know, he's just a, he's another really good set of eyes from, as you've said there, of what's going on in the background. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, you know me, I enjoy doing it anyway. I mean, I'll be honest, coming out in the summer um, and going into the, the, uh, the games itself, I really wasn't that... Worried about it. No, not not so much worried. It's, uh, I wasn't really looking forward to it. Normally, when the season starts, I get ready to go. But I've had a great summer. I was away a few times, and 
Um, and you all know I enjoy my holidays, like, but uh, <laughs> it's it just you know I really wasn't looking forward to getting it. Even last uh, the first game there last week against uh, the clan, wasn't that fussed about doing it, but really enjoyed calling the games. And then this weekend it's just sort of back to normal. So uh, looking forward to Saturday, um, Fife and and uh, yeah, let's 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 get going. Yep, I think before we're going to before we get into the games, and actually something that's popped into my head leading into it is, if you're at the game or if you're watching the 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 webcast on uh, Saturday night in the game against it on the Stars, there was a brilliant video put together. Obviously, we spoke about it the last couple of weekends it being organ donation night, and uh, there was a brilliant video put together by Giants TV and speaking to the guys who have donated things, and and uh, we got a great story. You know, I think it was Kieran. Long was talking with um, just some, some fantastic stories and uh, about how important it is to be an organ donor, and it actually it, it leads in, Davy, to, to what we're going to give a give an early launch to uh, this week. Well, it, it's, it's something that we've just been you know throwing about ideas with each other. Yes. We obviously were encouraging people last week to sign up for the for the organ donation and and we joked last week about you know making it a little bit competitive who could donate the most blood and stuff and and that led into a little bit of brainstorming and we've came up with a little idea of the bleed tail 100 we're going to challenge ourselves of course to be donators but belfast giants fans and, and indeed fans across the elite league if they want to get involved we're going to aim to donate 100 pints of blood between now and the end of the elite league season to incentivize people if you donate a pint of blood uh, with the good people at the Odyssey Trust and Heineken, they will donate a pint to you. It doesn't have to be beer. You can come in, get a soft drink, whatever, at the end of the season. So last home game of the season, we'll have a big festival. We'll count up how many pints we've had. And hopefully we're going to get a sponsor on board that will donate to the Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion Centre the price of a pint. So it's a pint for a pint for a pint. And our target is going to be... It's maybe set unrealistically high at 100 pints. It may be set unrealistically low, knowing the generosity of the good people of Northern Ireland and the Belfast Giants. So, so that's going to be a little target. We'll be putting that out on Kingdom of Giants, a view from the bridge, or Twitter, or Facebook and stuff over the over the coming day and week. Hopefully get somebody out there that's that's good on the, on the laptop there, can do us up a little logo. But the crux of it is 100 pints of blood, 100 pints of beer, the donation to the value of 100 pints of beer to Northern Ireland Blood Transfusion Centre. So... Hashtag bleed tail 100. You go along the blood transfusion center, whatever, getting your blood donated. Take a picture of yourself doing it. Tweet it in. You'll go on the list as a donator. You'll be eligible for your pint at the end of the season and you'll have donated three units, I think there is in a pint. Is that correct, Simon? Yeah. And that, that you know, is invaluable in Northern Ireland. I think Laura Small said last week there's 850 units a week needed in Northern Ireland. Is that right? And yeah. that, maybe? Yeah, there's, there's 815 litres a week needed. Our donations, but the big thing about it is there's still 115 people a week short to get that done. So it's it's vitally important. I mean, I, I was up last week giving mine, and um, I was speaking to him about potentially giving platelets, uh, which is then yeah. committing to go in every four weeks. So uh, I've I've did my platelet count last week, and it seems to be okay. So I'm waiting for a call back this week to um, to get involved in giving platelets. So if that's the case, and I get the okay. Then I can start giving platelets, uh, and it's well seven weeks time now. Well, and so there, the the AVFTB boys are going to be all over it. Simon's already donated. Patrick, you said last week you were going to, you know, yep, 
not kicking and screaming, but you were nervous about your first time. Have you gone and done it? I did. I went on Thursday evening to Seal FC Rugby Club just up the road from where I live. Uh, it was very busy, which is great, but they were running behind a bit, but there was loads and loads of people there. And uh, the, the guys are so friendly and uh, put me right at ease because, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big needle guy. I know that uh, Mr. Neil likes to get all the, the tattoos done. I'm not a big needles guy. I really don't like it at all. But honestly, it was so straightforward, so easy, and uh, and definitely something that I've walked away thinking to myself, why was I so worried about that? What was all the fuss about? And uh, great experience, and I'm already booked in for the next one. Nice. I, I, I'm exactly the same. I really don't like needles. That, that, that there's, there's two nurses. The nurse who looks after you uh, at the uh, the blood transfusion unit at the city hospital, uh, she'll come over. And then there's another nurse always comes over to make sure they get your uh, name and date of birth. Uh, obviously, the two of them have to check that. And I always hold the second nurse's hand every single time uh, when I'm getting the needle. And it's, I just really don't like it. But there's a bigger picture here. You know, I know that my blood is going on to help potentially three people stay alive. Correct. Ultimately, um, and you know, if, if yes, it's all good and well, you know, sticking your hand in your pocket and sticking a few pounds towards the fantastic charities that are available. But this is top top notch, and it, it's it's you just don't know when you're going to need it. You might need it yourself at some stage, um, and uh, I, I think it's it's if you, it's not for everybody. I understand that there's some people who can't give blood due to uh, various different medical issues or, or whatever it may be. And that's absolutely fine. This isn't aimed at those people who, and we're not we're not having a go at the people who can't give blood. If you're available to give blood and you're eligible to give blood, we're having a go at you, and we want you to help. So get your uh, arm, get your sleeve rolled up, um, and get your hands dirty to a certain extent because it's a fantastic, uh, um, well, it's a fantastic thing to be involved in. I think that's a really good point, Simon, is the fact that, you know, charity drives, we love doing them. We think so many good causes out there and people are always very generous to stick their hand in their pocket and help out. This is something you can do that is life-saving and it's free. All you have to do is just sign up, get yourself down, donate your blood and you will be helping. With that one pint of blood, you'll be helping three people and saving three lives. And it's such a wonderful thing you can do. Just And all you need is a bit of spare time just to get yourself down there. And as Simon says, get your sleeve rolled up. The guys will take you through it. It's so easy. It's so straightforward. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? You get a little buzz coming out of it because you know you've done something good. But it's a, this is something that, as Davy has said, that we've been bouncing around for the last week or so. We think it's such a, a worthwhile cause and hopefully Davey the uh, the Giants fans and, and maybe the wider elite league will support us on that I've absolutely no doubt I've always been blown away by the support we get I, I can't believe you know whatever it is 10 12 years don't know how long I'm doing this podcast now with you but you know from I've been listening to it right from that very first episode and it was a hockey podcast of and, and it's it's a little bit more than that just now we're in a very very privileged position that we're able to affect things like this we're able to go and, and ask for people's blood we're able to go and ask for people's organs it used to be with just you know and we're starting the show off with that so we'll have to move on to hockey yep. but give us your blood simon kitchen used to don't or used to take a lot up at the ice bowl he's giving it back so you know <laughs> um there's a pint for you in the end of the season there's money to charity there's a feel good factor and if you can help out please 
please help us. That's it. Hashtag BleedTale100. There'll be more information on the View from the Bridge Twitter, on KingdomOfTheGiants.com, and we'll be talking about it more on this podcast. Yes, the last three podcasts we've opened by with extensive talk about these sort of issues, but I'm sure you'll agree that they are incredibly important in this day and age. But... It's time to talk about the hockey. The Belfast Giants were at home for two games in the Cup and in the league. First up on Saturday night, they took on Omar Pasha's Dundee Stars. And as Omar Pasha tends to do at least once a season, he walked away with the full two points. A 4-3 win for the Dundee Stars. We donated two points to them on donor night. Um, Giants' goals came from Lake Hamilton and Ward. But for the Stars, the goals came from Dufour, who was the Elite League Player of the Week, of the week this season week. Two goals, one short-handed in the first period and a power play goal in the second for him. And then uh, Alexander Borgard, well not Alexander Borgard, what's Borgard's first name? Doesn't matter. Borgard, two goals for him, one of them being empty net. Goalies, uh, Shane Owen, not great. 17 shots against three goals against Leclerc. 68 shots against three goals against um your refs were, uh, were Dean Smith and Andrew Dalton. Missing for the Belfast Giants was Jesse Forsberg. Uh, Davey, I'm, look, I'm I'm going straight to that shot count. The Belfast Giants peppered Leclerc. Yeah, without making him work um, too hard for his corn on Thunder Night, as you've said. Um, we, we chatted with Simon a little earlier on, so that uh, when we're waiting for you to come in here, and we talked just a little and, and brief about you know our own opinions on the game and. We'd said it on Saturday night as well. You know, I think there's a lot of low percentage shots. We, we, we were maybe coming down the wall a little bit and throwing. We hit him, we hit him in the badge a lot on Saturday night. Um, I know I'm always banging on about this fabled Royal Road that mm. I like, I like to see us crossing to, uh, to make the goaltenders work a little bit more than, than perhaps he had to. Obviously, you know, a 60 maybe, sorry, inch. Maybe just giving an indication to people that don't know what the Royal Road is. Basically, if you draw a line from each post up the ice, that little section that you would colour in. So yeah. you're you passing a puck east to west, if you want to call it that way, you know, going across the goal to make the goaltender move right to left or back and forwards rather than just coming down and letting himself get to the top of his blue paint, get square on the shooter where he's massive. There's very, very little net to hit. Those goaltenders, fantastic reflexes at top of game. You know, good with their gloves, good with their blockers, good with their pads, low down. If you don't make a goaltender move, you know, he's going to save a lot. We've had 68 shots. The stats tell you he's going to save a lot of them if you are not making him work. And I just don't think, you know, Simon will come in here on that. I just don't think we worked him hard enough on the night. You know, we, we weren't. We didn't have any greasy rebounds, really. He didn't give very much up. And that tells you that he's getting hit center mass and, and dealing with anything he had to. Do you get that, Simon? Yeah, um, you know, I think the boys will all agree in the locker room. Well, uh, they they just, as Davey says, they didn't make a, the clerk work hard enough. Um, if he had stood with his goalie pads on and a goalie stance with a glove up on the blocker and stick up uh, in the middle of the net, I would say we probably had 50 of those 68 shots right at him. So, you know, when you don't have to, uh, you, you're not getting shifted from side to side. You're not getting, um, you know, we're not getting guys going to the net. Like it's not rocket scientist, you know. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist work that out, and, and, and this isn't taking anything away from Dundee. They played very well. Uh, you know, there was two short uh, on the back end to start the game. They had Stoven start at the back. He got hurt. They then put Duncan Spears back. Um, you know, when Duncan Spears is a forward, a, a British guy, and 
Um, I thought he did very, very well as well. Um, you know, but when you're playing, you're playing four D, and they're 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 literally out there every single other shift. Uh, it's very, very difficult, tough on the body. And we, you know, we 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 made them work. Don't get me wrong, but the clerk played very well as a unit. They they just didn't give us any space. They 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 collapsed on top of, and they didn't. Um, you know, they 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 certainly had to work hard, but we didn't work them hard enough. Um, you know, Adam was disappointed with the result. Uh, the boys were dif- disappointed with the result. You know, he spoke with a few of them afterwards, and uh, and and you know, they they certainly uh, they wanted more. Adam asked for for uh, uh, a big effort on Sunday um, after the Saturday defeat, and I think it's fair to say that he got that. But um, you touched on it, Paddy, right at the very start when you were introducing this game. We always struggle against Pasha sides. I yep. don't know why. I really don't know why. Um, but you know he gets his teams up for it. He's he's a he's a we all know he's a good lad, but he's a good coach. I think he's very underestimated. It, it's Thank you, if I sorry, if, if I can just come back on that, um, you know, you know what I'm like when it comes to stats and all that kind of thing. That's that's where I'm kind of one of my drivers when it comes to hockey. I enjoy this. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy the statistical analysis again. You know, low slot is where the vast vast majority of goals in hockey come from, right across the pantheon of every level of game, from kids playing their first game in the ice bowl to the guys in the NHL. That is where the, the vast majority goes. We have had three shots out of those 68 from the low slot. One's a goal, so 30% of the slightly worse, 33.3% of the shots that we've taken from the low slot have gone in, and we haven't got in there. Uh, you know, they have at least 20 blocked shots. They sacrificed a lot, but, you know, how many shots are from the, the low to mid circles that we've just came down the wings and threw them on? Simon said it all there anyway. That's just a little statistical thing yeah I think what comes back to the, on the Omar Pasha point is the fact that you look at that shorthanded goal and the break up ice you look at them collapsing in front of goal and probably sitting back and trying to catch us on the break a few times which they did and you saw them do that last season remember we went to theirs and got absolutely pasted and you know Pash has this ability to just to, to, to organize his team really well and, and to get those what would you maybe deem set plays playing out from the back. Um, you know, we, he takes points off us more or less every season. It was frustrating. I think the other frustration in it says back to you is the fact you mentioned it there about them collapsing around and being tight around the goal. Arguably, exactly what the Manchester Storm did the previous Sunday. Yeah, and, I, and this is what you're going to get. We are a big, strong team. You know we're very quick, and you know, and that's an all. You know, from top to from top to bottom, we're very very quick. Um, we we've got a uh, we've got a number of, of game changers uh, within that locker room as well. We've got a lot of experience. We we're, we're going to be a top top team in this league. I've absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, and you know, it, it does take a bit of time for team for guys that yell together. Adam's still trying to find uh, the lines that he's happy with, and uh, I mean, he changed them again after twenty minutes on against Dundee. Uh, so you know he, that's a work in progress. That's you know it's not going to be done overnight. It's uh it's one of those things where, as I say, I just have to keep working at it and keep working at it. The boys look good in training today. Uh, you know they certainly look as all up for it. It's a difficult week as all the schooling kicks in and all the boys are are going to school. The practices are not at normal times this week. So uh, you know again we're working together to to get this put in place and and Saturday's now the target because it's again it's a big game coming against. Um, Fife and, and Belfast in the Challenge Cup so you know a win's important 
anything to say, Davy, over this loss, but it only being the cup. Like the, the the way that the, the competition is at the minute, we've got six games to eliminate one team from our group. Yeah, that, well, you know that that's always going to be harder to not get out of the group than it is to get out of it. So you, you'd like to think that over the course of you know the rest of the games, we'll get enough points to mustered. So yeah, in effect, these these games are not so much dead rubbers, but they're they're games that you can afford to make no a risk. slip up. They're they're games that the coach, of course, of course, will want to win. The guys will want to win. The coaching staff will want to win. The fans want to win, but. I'll underline that, but at this stage of the season, when you are stretching to try and find that little bit of chemistry between lines, guys are maybe slightly misfiring because they haven't got the right winger with them, or the right centre hasn't got the you know the right winger with them. Or the partnerships actually look pretty pretty tidy, to be honest. Um, so from that point of view, you know, I'm keepers- sorry, Dave, I'm gonna have to jump in there. Our deep partnerships in Saturday did not work. I think so. No, Why? if you look at many old man rushes, we give up. I mean, Adam was really disappointed with the, the defensive unit not, you know, getting their detail right. We give up too much on Saturday night, and that yeah. was one of the things that he really was um, quite upset, and that's upset, but f- off with. Would you um, put that so, down to partnerships or individuals losing their detail? Because I think just, the guys that have actually played together are playing together really. Would you split Rayner and, and Gary up? No, I wouldn't split any of them up. Yeah, and so that's I mean, what I'm saying. I think the partnerships were quite good. They maybe okay, have yeah, okay. individually. All right, fair point. But again, we yeah. made too many mistakes uh, defensively on Saturday night. That's what beat us uh, on Saturday night. You know, we were much, much better on Sunday. But again, you know, it's it's important that you know if you're pinching in, you've got cover. You know, if, a, if you've got your left D and he's pinching down the wall, the right D comes across, yeah. your right winger comes back to your right D. It's a team unit. It's a, that's the whole point of it. Um, and giving up that shorthanded goal was a perfect example of it. You know, we're just being too aggressive. We're trying to get in there and, and get the goal back, and it was disappointing to give that one up. But listen, I'm, I'm retired for 15 years. These guys, uh-huh. you know, are, are in their prime. They don't need me to tell them that. They know that the, it, our efforts on Saturday night wasn't good enough. Um, they, As I say, they held it up, and Sunday was much, much better. Well, let's move on to that, because the Belfast Giants had a chance to redeem themselves, and they did just that the following Afternoon at the SSC Arena, rare Sunday game at home, but the Nottingham Panthers were in town and the Belfast Giants took league points with a, a shutout win, 3-0. The Giants goals, two for Liam Morgan, one the power play in the first period, one even strength in the third. And uh, and uh, Hamilton with an empty net goal. Uh, goals for the Panthers, none. Uh, goalies, Shane Owen, 26 a 26-save shutout. And the other side, Carr, uh, 50 shots on, two goals against two referees. Once again, we're Smith and Dalton, Forsberg missing again. And Davey, oh no, sorry, Simon, I'll start with you this time. It was a tight game. You know, we get that goal. Uh, we get the goal in the first period from Liam Morgan on the power play. The Giants are looking good. Now, it, having a one-goal scoreline is something that keeps it a tight game. I'd actually argue that the Giants are pretty comfortable. I... Honestly, didn't feel under pressure in that game um, mm. at all. Um, by that, I, I mean, yeah. I, I knew we were going to win that game. I knew we were going to win that game. The way we came out, the way we started, the you know, we were winning our battles along the wall. Yes, you get the first goal, uh, and it's always good to get that first goal. But at no time did I think they were going to beat us. Absolutely not at all. I said, Dicko, um, I, I thought we, we were in a really good place. I thought the effort on Saturday was a, a hell of a lot better. Than what, sorry, the effort on Sunday. Was a hell of a lot better than what it was on Saturday. We were getting Lynette 
I, arguably, I was talking to Davey earlier about this. I think Carr played better uh, than what Leclerc did. I thought Carr stopped shots. it from being a cricket score, to be honest uh, with you. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. He'd come up with some really big saves. He made a couple of stupid mistakes. I mean, there was one in the, um, I think it was actually Morgan. The car came out to play it around the wall. It hit the stanchion, jumped out front. It was a second period. Yeah. Morgan got hold of it, hit the puck towards the net, and it was a great save. Um, he then got one at the other end of the ice against, uh, I think, Ronka. Um, yeah. Ronka was, you know, just tried to start at home. Couldn't, just didn't get enough on it. And, and again, Carr scrambled for it, but uh, made a really good save. Um, you know, the Panthers, where do you start with the Panthers? Um, um, I, well, honestly, I thought I'm, that I'm, they did I'm, I'm weak. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a week go at the podcast for TCW, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the uh, you know, oh. I just thought we were the much better team on Sunday. Um, I thought that we give, you know, we, we actually, you know, we, we, we put the Nottingham Panthers in their place. You know, we didn't give them anything. When they came into our zone, their power play was disruptive. Our shorthand was absolutely outstanding. And Davey just touched on it there a few minutes ago, talking about the night before. Garside, Swindlehurst, Pellich and Rayner, all our six guys, Leonard and uh, Mullen as well, every single one of them deserves massive plaudits for, Saturday, for Sunday's performance. And Shane Owen. Owen came up with a couple of big saves. Jeff, that's the only ones that he had to make. And in fairness, you know, he kept the puck out of the net, um, obviously for the whole game. But I thought we were we played a really, really strong game on Sunday. I also think in the next few weeks, we are absolutely going to spank somebody. And by that, I mean, you're going to put six, seven, maybe eight goals past them. I, we're going to get to that stage. We're getting close. We really are getting close. We're creating a lot of chances on Sunday. We should have scored a lot more, as you say. Paddy Carr played very well. And, uh, you know, I really liked our game on Sunday. That's it was 68 shots on Saturday night, 50 shots on on Sunday. Davey, you know, I, I think Sis is absolutely right there with regards to the Giants look comfortable. We contained the Panthers. They they tried the offer, but we were absolutely containing them shift on shift. I think um, Sis, you know, had asked on... Giants TV for for Malamats and, and you know I always have a little dialogue with my Simon during the games and I'd text him and said you know Gary could be Malamats here Kevin Rain's been exceptional I think on, on D those two guys like, Rainer's crushing you know everything going and he's blocking shots for fun I don't have the numbers just in front of me I'll get the guys to, to get me them updated for next week but um, you know we limited Panthers opportunities to you know Really low percentage. Shane Owen, he, he, he goes perfect. He has his first shutout, you know, in the tail, so that's good for him. Panthers were a little bit lackluster. I know I've seen stuff that you've sent through today about, you know, some of their fans were talking on on their podcast about, you know, maybe being a little bit overexcited about beating Manchester. Well, that tells me where Nottingham Panthers see themselves at the minute. And if you're getting very, very high, too high that you can't concentrate the next day after beating the Manchester Storm, well, then maybe you need to readjust your what your expectations are for the season. You know, as far as the Giants goes, they got down low. They got into, into the face. They, they had to do a lot of hard work to, to see this out. But, you know, hard work's what you, the absolute minimum you expect. And, and we kept plugging away and, and the goal came and, and then, you know, I think from we had that first goal, you, you have to have a go at this yourself, Paddy. You know, we turned the mic a little bit on you last week. But after that first goal went in, 
yeah, we got back to hard work, but I never felt under any real, real pressure. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's the it's the aspect of it being a one goal game, and usually, especially when you come all the way through from the first period to the third period, and into the third period at home, it remains a one goal game. Usually, there's a few nerves because it just takes one slip, and it's a one one game, and and then you're into either losing it overtime or a win. It's a you know, you're trying to fight back into it. I didn't feel that was the case. I felt that that could, the game could have easily have finished out 1-0 uh, on the way we were playing and we would have been comfortable just to leave it at that. Then we, Liam Morgan gets a second and that's it. You know, I, I didn't see the Nottingham Panthers getting anywhere near it after that because for all that they were offering, they weren't offering much. And anything they did have, they were just being boxed out by the Belfast Giants. And I want to come to... The, the the Bram Ward five plus game for yeah. tripping, but one of the things I will point out as part of that is the fact that there was a five. Um, probably one of the real failings of the Nottingham Panthers is there was a five minute major that really gave them an opportunity going into the third period, and they take three minor penalties and just basically do themselves in and, and negate any sort of advantage that they're going to get. But let's come back to that, Simon. The, the five plus game for tripping. Um, we had a bit of a we had a bit of a chat the other day and. I, I did think it was a dangerous play, tripping or whatever, but I did think it was a dangerous play. You weren't so convinced. No, and I said Danny Dalton after the game. Um, did he talk to you know, about last week? Aye, briefly, aye. He wasn't happy <laughs> about it, but they don't really. Um, the, uh, you know, uh, the Gandhi's a good lad. Oh, it was his birthday on Saturday as well. So. Oh, it was indeed. Um, the, uh, you know, the, still the game a... itself. You Second... know, when... What's that? I thought I still had... Oh, I did. That's all right. What, what I did for Andy Dalton. There you go. Sorry, go ahead. Um, you know, I, I, in fairness, Andy always puts a point across. Um, my view at the time was, uh, you know, I thought it was a penalty, when it's, especially when I seen it slowed down. I thought it was a penalty. I thought uh, Wardo did leave uh, his right leg, and I bet I thought his right leg clipped uh, the other right leg off uh, the Santos, wasn't it? I think it was DeSantis, um, and he did go down. Uh, you know, I spoke to numerous uh, players today and uh, off-ice staff from the Giants, and every one of them told me it was a hip. Every one of them told me that it looked like the leg, but every one of them told me it was a hip. So the, it's, what, 15 feet from them, maybe 18 feet, and possibly, what, another... 60, 70 foot up in the air and a 130, 140 feet away from it. They had a better view than I have. Andy stood by his call. When I spoke to him after the game, he said, look, it's a dangerous play. That's what I'm saying, Paddy. It's your view. You thought it was a dangerous play as well. Um, I thought five-plus game was very, very harsh. <clears throat> if he'd have got two for it, I don't think I would have complained about it. I certainly would have panicked about it because, again, I thought we were far, a far better team at that stage. Um, but I still think five-plus game... Is very very harsh on uh, on Morty. David, hundred percent hip. The hip now. What do you call the guy that's that's, that's just that the Panther that took the hit? I'm pretty sure it's DeSantis. DeSantis, okay. Um, obviously, as he's quite within his right, he's trying to avoid being hit, and that very split second step inside he takes makes the collision just on the periphery of, you know, just hip bone to hip bone for me and, and spins him. I've no I've no doubt he's been hurt. 
I've no doubt that from the speed and the angle that Andy Dalton's at, because he's pretty much down the gun of it, maybe 60, 70, 80 feet away. Just, just awful. Sorry for jumping in, Davey. He no didn't miss a shift. Right, but yeah, but he, he's hurt in that moment, whether it's a stinger or whatever, he's gone down. Hockey players generally don't go down to try and feign injuries, generally. Um, so I would say in that moment, he's probably taken a wee sting on the hip or whatever, and it's put him down on the ice. Um, I don't see it as a five-plus game. I really don't. And that's not, look, that's not a criticism of the referee. He's seen that at full speed, one angle, and it, to him, it looks like it's, it, it doesn't even, when I've, you know, when I've slowed it down, zoomed it up, frame by framed it, It'd be interesting. Are Dops looking at that again? Is there anything came from Dops on that? No, you know, so only one Dops shout. We'll talk. We'll come back to it in the show. So, the so, the, so therefore, you know, they've reviewed it. They've got all the angles on it, and they've said, you know what, we'll, we'll leave it with the call on the night. Um, I haven't got speaking to Andy about it myself yet, but for me, it's borderline that it's even a two-minute penalty. It's it's one of those. It's a it's a incidental contact in the game for me, part of the game. But unfortunately, the guy in that instance has been injured. But as you said, he hasn't missed a shift. I just don't see it as a twenty five minute game or twenty five minute penalty. Sorry, Andrew. Well, there's been nothing come from Dobson, but the, as I said, the, the Giants were able to box it out. The Marion Panthers didn't help themselves by taking minors through it to sort of bring it back to four on four. Um, one note before we move on and and uh, hear a few interviews: yeah, twenty six save shutout for Shane Owen says. Yeah, I thought it was excellent and on Sunday. Uh, you know, he had a couple of big saves that he put off. Um, his position was very good. He was tracking the puck well. His defensive unit in front of him were, were outstanding. Uh, you know, they certainly made it easier on him. Uh, you know, I, I thought that, you know, that uh, Rayner was, was just, um, put it this, I think Rayner so far is our player of the season. Mm-hmm. That's, if he keeps going the way he's going. And, and again, Gary, you know, Gary played very, very well as well. And I'm also, you know, we, we talk about guys that don't get much ice time. Paul Swindler, you know, Swinney's been playing very, very well. Um, I, I do think he's underrated as well. I thought he's, he's going to be a good start this season. Pellich playing alongside him. You know, Pelly took a couple of penalties. Um, I think it was three minors on Sunday. Uh, you know, and, and, and certainly when 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 that happens, your other defensemen maybe miss out on a few short-handed shifts such as Swinney. Um, and you've got Mullen, um, Leonard, Rayner, and, and Garside uh, then, you know, stepping up the plate and playing the extra uh, minutes as well. So it's difficult when you're off the ice for... You know, five, six, seven minutes, and you're not getting a shift because of whether it's power play time or or um, shorthanded time. It's difficult to adjust to that. You just need to be ready and and do the best you can. Rainer's been outstanding uh, so far this season, and uh, you know Shane Owen Sunday was was did what he had to do. That's what he gets paid for. He gets paid to stop a puck, um, but I think it's the unit in front of him as well. And he'll 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 basically say the same thing. It's it's the guys in front of him that make it easier for him for blocking all those shots. I mean. There was a there was a, a slap shot from the point that caught um, Rayner just above the hip. Uh, the next shift he got one on the ankle. The next shift, um, I think it was Dupuy took one off the head. Um, you know, so it's it's guys out there sacrificing their bodies to stop that puck getting through to their goaltender. That's that's what a good team effort's all about. David, you know, outstanding sixteenth Belfast Giant goaltender to. Um... To get the goose egg. So here, I'm going to give you a little quiz. You can go back and forward here for a wee minute oh. or two. Name the other 15. Can I start? 
Okay, you go first, Paddy. One each, one each, Paddy. Yeah, one each. Yeah, turn about, turn about, turn about. Derek Wilkinson. Wilkie had one shot out. Yes, he did. Stephen Murphy. <laughs> Stephen Murphy has had 26 shot outs. Um, Martin Klemper. Martin Klemper had six shot outs. Colin Ryder. Had five. Tyler Beskarouani. Oh, remember him. He had eight. Mark Tavlin. I don't think he had one. Cavi never had one. No, I don't think so. Wow. My God. Yeah. Um, Paddy leads 3-2. Stephen Lyle. Stevie Lyle had two. For f***'s sake. (laughs) (laughs) As the shepherd said, that's what the shepherd said. Um, Okay. Uh, Nathan Craze. Crazy had three. Oh, that was a good shout. How many we left, Davey? Uh, you've got seven yeah. out of you've got seven out of sixteen. Seven out of sixteen. Okay. Um, I'm trying to even think. I'm trying to even think. What? What am I doing? Oh, Jackson. Whistle. Whistle. <laughs> Thank you. You're very good, Paddy. Whistle had three shutouts. Oh, very good. I didn't get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I honestly didn't get that at all. Um, what about Carson Chubak? Chubbs had three. Mike Bales. Baylor had three. Six four, Paddy. Oh my god! Getting towards the end, boys. Six four. Um, Think of goalies that weren't like Hugh Smith and stuff. People like that. I'm trying to. Adam Cree. Um, oh, who did you say there? Adam Cree. I know, but you're only joking, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm, I am only joking, of course. Yeah. Right, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> says, the... think of my name. Think of my name. Think of my name. Aye, Gipper. Chris from the Gipsy. Gipsy, of course. Yeah. Think against the Basingstoke Bison from memory. Uh, At the um, Odyssey. Ryan Back. Oh, that's a good shout. Backer had three, yeah. Um, Seven, five. You've got 12 of them, boys. There's only three left. Well, oh, four nice. if you kind, four if you kind Ozzy, but we can't kind him. Three left. Yeah. Zemlak. Zammer. Oh, of course. Right, oh, four, seven, seven, six. This is tight at the top, uh, boys. Pip, Pip de Ruval. Philippe de Ruval had three. So eight and six is fourteen. One's fifteen. There's one missing. <laughs> I'll check myself here. <laughs> you better check. I was that Mike Benargan. There yeah, you go. No, there you go. That's the one we have that's in my head there. Ah. Paddy wins yet seven. Sorry, Simon. It's all right, mate. It's but good, long. Good, good quizzing, boys. Good, good quizzing. I'm surprised Cavi didn't have one. Unbelievable, like... this guy. No, that, I would say famously, but it's the one thing I did remember that he, he Derek Wilkinson had the first shutout for the Belfast Giants and then yeah. Cavi never got one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There you yeah go. Good stuff. I'm, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> right. Let's. Let, let, but if you want the uh, game reports, highlights, and all the post-game interviews, you get them on kingdomofthegiants.com. A uh, couple of interviews before we go to the fan agenda. Um, for, we're going to hear in a bit from Jeff Mason, but since been down to training, and also had a chat with Jean Dupree. And first up, Liam Morgan. 
Tuesday morning after practice, uh, Liam Morgan joins us on uh, View from the Bridge. Morgs, uh, off to a great start personally um, uh, for yourself. Two goals on Sunday uh, and uh, Man of the Match performance against the Nottingham Panthers. Uh, what was your view on the weekend, uh, first of all, against Dundee and then Nottingham? Yeah, the first, uh, first game there was a little frustrating. We uh, heavily outchanced them, outshot them there, as uh, all the fans know that we're watching. But uh, couldn't find a puck in the net, so uh, that was sort of the focus. The next day was trying to get a couple on the board, and uh, thankfully they went in. And uh, it's always a great sign of relief when you see those finally go in. Obviously, Adam uh, was disappointed with not getting the two points on Saturday night. Asked for a reaction. I think it's fair to say that uh, the boys come out and give him that. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was definitely a good bounce back we had. Uh, I've never been in a format with a league like this that uh, the first place is a battle throughout the whole year. So it's obviously important to just come right back. And as we discussed in the room, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. I think we had a good bounce back. This weekend, uh, you got your first ferry trip to Scotland um, for a game anyway. I know you've, you've done the, uh, the one with the fans, but heading over to Scotland this weekend after a game at home on Saturday night, uh, two games against the Five Flyers. Um, are you looking forward to the journey? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. First, again, you said uh, first trip over there. First time I'll be in Scotland, so looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, it's not too big of a culture shock. should be similar. I uh, look forward to it. Yourself, um, coming out of college, uh, first professional year. Um, I know it's all about the team, but how, how are you settling in and how's things going for you in Belfast? Everything's going well. Uh, the teammates have been great looking out for me, helping me out uh, find ways around. Uh, it's been really enjoyable so far, settling into the oh, new digs there, so every, everything's going good. Getting chirped there by uh, Mr. Poland, uh, Patrick Bronca. Um, obviously, your teammates again, you're here nearly two months now. Um, everything's going well for you off the ice? Yeah, everything's good. I just, uh, I'm starting up with school now, so uh, be a little bit more busy throughout the day, but look forward to it. Another challenge. Joined by Jean Dupuis after uh, practice Tuesday morning. Uh, Jupes, um, big game last week against Dundee Stars, didn't go to plan, uh, but a great response against Nottingham on Sunday. Yeah, my bad. Considering we had 68 shots, we just had to penetrate a little more. But we were able to do that. We knew we had to give less odd man rushes. Four breakaways is too much, so we bred down on that and turned out to be a good, good result. A tough game against Nottingham Panthers. Uh, the, the Panthers obviously had in there. They got strong, good goaltending, the same as the night before against the Clerk. But uh, you feel we just got Lynette a bit more and, and, and buried our chances when they came along? Yeah, I think we penetrated the inside a little more. The last game, we were more on the perimeter. so... Uh, whenever you get in, in front of the goalie's eyes, you always get more opportunities. And Morgs did a great job burying those guys. And then same with Hammer. <laughs> you had a couple of opportunities yourself. You're just literally getting on the end of those. And chances are coming along. You're going to take one of those this weekend, are you? <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm preaching to myself here. Just as, long as, as long as I'm getting the opportunities, I think at one point I'll go in. And then once it starts going in, hopefully it's just the floodgates. But just got... For now, I just keep working hard, you know, just bearing down on those chances. When they come, when they come, i got to put them away. Two games this weekend against the Fife Flyers. Uh, first Saturday at home and uh, Sunday away. Um, another tight rink. It's a little, little bit bigger than Manchester. Um, but uh, looking forward to the road trip. Yeah, should be fun. I live with Oli, so that's where he played. So it should be fun for him to go back and for us to be able to play them again. And, you know, and First time in Scotland, so it should be a good time. Uh, giving Adam Keith a day off today we're going to have a chat with uh, Jeff Mason Mace uh, uh, two months in a, in a job now um, obviously taking a, a year away from uh, on ice activities um, how are you settling in to, uh, being on the bench alongside Adam and, and Rob that's good you know it's a bit of a learning curve getting used to uh, 
uh, as, a, as a player and a coach, you're, you're kind of looking at different things out there. But, um, yeah, you know, it's still the same game. And it's been fun to get back involved on a day-to-day basis and, and get back into what, uh, you know, kind of a more normal routine for me that's been my whole life is uh, coming to the rink every day. So uh, it, it's been a lot of fun and just trying to, to learn as much as I can and, and help as much as I can. Past weekend, um, disappointment against Dundee after, let's be honest, you know, literally controlling the game. Um, but uh, Adam asked for a reaction after that defeat um, on Saturday evening, and he got that on Sunday. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, you know, bounce back ability, and so far we've had that. Um, you know, we had that bad game against uh, Liberic and came back and, and played really well against Augsburg. Um, you know, in this league, if you're going to be successful, you have to be able to bounce back. You can't have extended losing streaks. So it was important for us to come out on Sunday uh, and, and play well and get the job done. Uh, there was there was a number of things we did well on Saturday. Um, I, I didn't think, even though we had a lot of shots, we didn't make uh, we didn't make their goalie work hard enough for second and third chances. Make him really scramble around the crease, really get into his face, make him make it hard to see pucks. Uh, a goalie gets in his own like that, and he's seeing the puck well, and he's feeling it. He's hard to beat. So, um, you know, and, and as well for Sunday, we wanted to clean up the odd man rushes because we gave up way too many of those on Saturday. I thought we did a good job of that and, and played a really solid, uh, you know, solid hard, hard game for for 60 minutes, and, and we're rewarded. Uh, one of the reasons that Belfast is so uh, uh, successful in uh, recruiting is uh, the school project with Ulster University. Um, that kicks in this week. Uh, how difficult is it to get the boys uh, all sorted with regards to schooling and get them all uh, sorted with regards to on-ice training? Because I know it is a disruptive week for you. Yeah, it adds a lot of uh, other elements, and guys got other things on their mind and, and getting settled into some of these guys. It's been a long time since they've been in school, and so settling back into that routine is is a whole new adjustment for them and making sure, uh, you know, when school first starts up, we got to kind of shift practice times around a little bit to make sure we've got guys here uh, and accommodate some of the induction things that they have. So uh, it, it makes it a bit more, uh, a little bit more tricky, but, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's lots of things that you have to deal with uh, in this sport, and you know, lots of uh, lots of other things going on. So you can't let them be distractions. You just got to find a way to get through them. This weekend, Fife, um, home Saturday, away Sunday. First time uh, a lot of the boys have been in, uh, having to take a ferry to a game. Um, again, you've done that many, many times over the years. Uh, is that an adjustment? Is that something that they have to get used to and, and get used to quick? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's not really a uh, uh, there's not a choice. You either get used to it or, or you know, you, you don't go. So um, it, it's it's a little bit of an adjustment, and, and like anything that's new, it's it's a little bit of a change, and you gotta you know uh, figure out uh, what what pattern works best for you and, and how you do it, and uh, um, you know. But again, it's just one of those things that you deal with, and we expect them to to be able to show up on Sunday and and be prepared and ready to play and find a way to, to be successful. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I had never taken a, a ferry before to a game before I came over here, so it was certainly a, an adjustment. And then you get on that long, windy road after you've been on the boat and, and you're thinking, oh, I might see my lunch again. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, again, it's uh, we don't have that many of those trips and it's just something that you got to, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, work your way through and, and again, no excuses. Thanks to Liam, John, and to Jeff. Right, time for the fan agenda brought to you by our friends at Belfast Giants TV. And this week, a man fresh off the uh, CoCom's duty with Simon Kitchen on Sunday, and we're interrupting his attempts to get out of Galatasaray on FIFA. Uh, Mr. Andrew Dixon, how are you? 
Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. But how? What are your tactics to get out of Galatasaray? I don't know. Um, I went there. The other manager I had from my first team, the Temper Chelsea, wouldn't put me in the first team, leading scorer in the league. Absolute joke. So I went out and alone, but now I can't get back. So I don't know. I just got to send a few games and see if the manager gets fed up with me and sends me back. But I don't really know if anyone's got any advice out there. You can send it through to me because I'm not sitting in Turkey all year. That's it. If you have any advice for, for Deco on FIFA, get it through to him. Um, or if you want a game, hit oh, me up. There you go. There's the challenge out to it. Uh, let's start a quick chat about Champions Hockey League. You, know, you were out there. You were on the trip with the boys. What was your experience yeah. of it? What did you think of it? Oh, I thought it was a, a really good experience. Um, enjoyed the trip. Um, very good hockey as well. I think we can all agree. Um, the two home games, um, I thought it was the best hockey I've seen in a long time at the SSE. I think the fans did as well from the general reaction that I got from speaking to people. Um, hard hitting, um, scoring goals, late drama. We were very unlucky against Augsburg in our home game. Um, and then, of course, we went out to Leverich and got to see a bit of that city. Um, I saw quite a lot of it. Me and Jesse went around, had a good look, nice city, good rink, seems like a real good organisation. Um, unfortunately, the game was, I think it was a Thursday night, and someone said that uh, they don't really get much of a crowd in for a weeknight, because um, I would have liked to have seen that place sort of on a Saturday night um, rocking. But yeah, obviously that wasn't our best game. We actually thought we started quite bright in that game, threw a few hits, got in the zone, but then, you know, there was a, there was a shot hits a skate or a stick and, and goes in and we were sort of finding an uphill battle from there and it didn't go our way that night. Um, my good, our good friend Darcy Murphy from last year, he, he made the two-hour trip over from Germany. He came up and watched this, um, so I was talking to him as well. So it was good to catch up with Darcy. And then, of course, we headed over to Augsburg, um, sort of five-hour bus. Uh, we got there the day before and then went and checked out their rink, had a morning skate. Um, and then, yeah, Anyone who's seen the highlights or the giant sort of uh, Snapchat specs that they had, the place was unbelievable. That the the atmosphere and the and the setup that they had in that rink was was second to none. I was very impressed with it. Um, they they've got that sort of one back section, which is kind of almost like a Borussia Dortmund stadium type thing, where they've everyone's in there going mad and it's all sort of standing section, um, almost kind of like um, you know, kind of almost like a soccer field, you know. Football field um, where they have those, you know, the, the terrace ones in Europe. So same sort of idea, but very impressed <clears throat> with that team. And uh, I thought the boys done another good job that night. That was a very tightly fought affair. Um, a few bounces could have went either way. I thought we we had a couple that you know just went wide. The goal made a couple of good saves, and, and then they got a couple of good bounces as well. So. I think um, although we would have liked one of those results on the road to go our way, I think we we've given a bad account of ourselves so far in the Champions League, which is which is great to see, and, and equally good to see Cardiff top of their group as well, because it's important for British hockey to grow. That um, the British teams are doing well in Europe. Um, obviously, we done well in the Continental Cup last year as well. So it just shows you that you know the league's getting there, um, and British hockey in general is getting there with the um, with obviously the national team doing fantastic and staying in the top division as well. So a lot of positives um, and lots for people to get inspired about and, and, you know, come out and see the sport and try the sport and maybe, you know, get some more fans. There you go. Just, I'm going to speak to one here off uh, off Twitter. Patrick Walsh asked, how does it feel year in, year out, um, having a new locker room and who's your neighbour this year in the locker room as well? Um, yeah, we've seen it a few times in Belfast where we've sort of had a big roster overhaul. Um even whenever I first signed here, it was a big roster overhaul then as well, actually. Um, 
so yeah, it's part and parcel of hockey. Everyone gets used to it. Um, it's never, you know, sometimes there's, there's guys you'd love to see stay, but unfortunately for their careers or for their families, they just they just can't. And uh, nothing lasts forever. Um, obviously, we had a fantastic year last year, championship teams, and uh, yeah, it would have been nice to keep some of those guys. But I think that the organisation's done a fantastic job of replacing them and getting in some some good characters. Um, character, I mean that in a professional way, and good hockey players who. Who are, who are class act professionals and know what they're doing. Um, a lot of leaders in the room as well, I'd say, this year as well. Um, obviously, Pellich, Reddick, a couple of guys have been around the block a few times there. They're very vocal in the dressing room. Um, as for him, sitting beside um, in Dundonald, uh, whenever we have to practice there, I sit beside Jesse Forsberg. Um, and in the SSE, I sit beside an empty stall and Patrick Mullen. Um, and the empty stall talks more to me. So he's a quiet <laughs> guy. So he is. Quiet yeah. man. He's, yeah, he's a quiet man. He um he's actually he's, he's pretty good. I, I like I like growling him about a few things. He's a big American football fan, and I know nothing about it. So I'm trying to educate him. He's trying to educate me. So yeah, he's he's a good guy. So he is and really good hockey players. I'm sure we're all aware. Is is the sorry for jumping in there, Davey. Um, is the the Spurs lot? Uh, is that for NHL Kel? Um, I don't know. Um, sometimes Steve the Pirates in there. Um, Steve's, uh, if you don't know, he does a lot of our stats and things and fitness and things like that there. Uh, but NHL Kel does run around um, in the SSE Youth Club that he really has now. Either that, or he's in, <laughs> he's in the other room sitting watching watching football or doing whatever he wants. He sort of runs that place now. Um, but um, you know, if he steps in, I'll put him back in his place. Don't worry. He's too he's too young to be running around like that. Deco, I wanna sort of frame a statement to you and, and sort of leave it with you rather than and get your comeback on it rather than ask an actual question. You know, you've been around the club 10 years or however exactly long it is now. Unsung hero, if you like that kind of, you know, always a training, staying on afterwards, taking the difficult shots. Sometimes they're sore. You're going home sore all the time, I'm sure. And, you know, you don't get the plaudits of, of playing on game nights very often. I think it's about 30, 40 games over, over a 10-year period. Is that is that frustrating or are you acceptant of, you know, you're happy with your role, always have been, always will be kind of thing? Or is it something that ever eats away at you that you could have gone somewhere else and played more perhaps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. I understand the question. Unfortunately, um in the UK, it's, it's very hard to make any sort of living playing hockey. Um, even now, I work part time on the side. Um, if I've uh, let's let's you know face the facts here, I'm I'm not a starting goaltender in the elite league. It's not a development league either. Um, and from when I first came into the league to now, the leagues come on leaps and bounds. Um, it's even harder than what it was um, to get in the net. I would like to play a little more than I do, but at the same time, it's team first. And the other thing people have to understand, because people ask me sort of, sort of roundabout questions like this all the time, um, people need to understand that I, I started playing hockey when I was nearly 18, um, which doesn't give a lot of time for development. I was, the first time I dressed for the Giants, I was 21. It's three years between that. So it's, um, it's learning on the job, you know. Um, I went to England for a year and played. Um, I think that year I got paid £25 a week um, and paid £50 to live somewhere. So I was you know, basically losing money to, to play in the league below, um, two leagues below. Um, so uh, very lucky to be a 
professional, semi-professional hockey player. Um, and even more lucky to play for Belfast. It's my home team. Um, Netminding is not an easy job. Um, it's not the sort of thing that you can just try someone out and hopefully they do all right. Like sometimes a player, you know, you can put them out there, put them on a good line, and you know they'll they'll do okay. They'll they'll pass by. Not too much. They just have to be smart defensively or whatever. Those are what we got for a goaltender. There's no there's no hiding. There's no you know someone scores on you, a bigger red light goes off behind you, and everyone knows what happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's um it's difficult. Obviously, yes, I would like to play a little, a little bit more. But um, as I said, you also have to weigh up um, where else am I going to play. If I want to play in England, I would need to find a team who's going to one pay me enough to live there, um, and you know, sort of two, I need to find a job. And it's not, it's not as easy as just going. I'll just go play for another team. Like you need to go and find a team. You need to then make sure you're going to play there. And I'm not saying I'm comfortable here. I have thought about it in the past. I talked to my old team this summer. They were very keen for me to go. And I asked them if I could do a two-way, but then they were like, well, you know, two-way doesn't really suit us because if you get called to back up in Belfast, then we lose a goaltender and we're searching for someone. And then who's going to train with us if you're wanting to, if you're going to stay in Belfast? So, yeah, it's not it's not quite as easy as it as it um, as it as might appear. You know, just just because you played on a top team in a top league to just go with somewhere else and expect to get paid and do well. Just to come back I hope on that some. Uh, yeah, just just to come back on one thing you said, Dick, with our about you know going over to England and getting paid twenty five pound a week and fifty pound to live, you know, paltry, paltry sums of money when you know there there's a little bit of money in the game. Certainly, how does that, you know, I've heard of of goaltenders, certainly backup goaltenders with this within the elite league earning even less than that, paying for not even expenses, and and some guys having to travel from, you know, give their whole weekends up. It's it, it's not uh, an easy career. No, um, particularly whenever I came into the league. Um, uh, well, whenever I first signed in Belfast, I uh, I think I, I must have just got they must have just based on what Nathan Creas was getting paid before me. Hmm. I think I got a little bit less than him in my first couple of years, and then I got my super agent Murph. He sort of looked after hmm. me after that. It's kind of been sort of flatlined for for a good while, and it's and it's fine. I'm happy with what with the money I make here. Um, Certainly not life-changing money, um, but you know, at the end of the day, no one I don't think in the elite league gets enough credit for the work that they put in, giving up weekends, long travel, um, potential injuries, um, frustration. It's not, it's not, it's not always the easiest job, especially being a netminder. But I certainly know that I've spoke to other, you know, backups. You know, when you're at each side in the bench, sometimes we talk to each other and the. Uh, I remember one guy. I think he played. Oh, I'm not going to name the teams. He uh, he was telling me he was getting. No, I'm not doing it. He he was getting uh, you know 15 pounds a game. You know, like so 30 pounds a week basically. Um, and he was having to go to practice every day. I think whenever the sheepdog was in Edinburgh, whenever he went to Dundee, I asked him how come you went up to Dundee because he's a Fife boy. He's from Kirkcaldy. He says oh, Edinburgh never paid me a penny. They wouldn't even get me new gear. Like. So, you know, it just shows you it's it's one of those positions where they don't want to put any money into it until, you know, you get sort of higher up the league to the sort of top teams. And even, to be honest with you, I think because I was quite cheap, that's probably why they signed me my first year back from Invicta. Um, and even whenever I was a third goalie here, when I was, when I was a 21 or something out there before before I left, I wasn't getting paid anything. I was doing it, you know, I was driving up from Balmain every day. I worked a night shift in a hotel in uh, Port Ballantrae, the Bayview. I worked from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. 
doing night shift and then I would uh, sink a Red Bull, jump in my pink Corsa, drive whatever it is, an hour and something to Belfast, do the traffic, train as a third goalie, sometimes rarely even get in the net and then, you know, head back home, go to sleep and do it again and I knew I had to do it for a while to at least get my foot in the door and get the experience and and then I used that experience to, you know, get myself over to England to get, you know, a lot of starts under my belt and learn a little, little bit more about hockey. And I think the first time I went to England, I honestly went with like 40 quid in my bank. No, I had 80 pounds, 80 pounds in my bank account by the time I got there. Um, so I was like 22, I think. And uh, I, I don't know what I was doing all summer, running around like an idiot, spending the money anyway. But I went there and, and I wouldn't ask my mum or dad or anything like that for money. I sort of always done it myself. Used to work in bars and all. So, um, and the first day I got there, I parked outside my house. Went to sleep or whatever, drove down from Liverpool that day, so I was shattered, went to sleep, got up the next morning at a flipping parking ticket for like £45 on the window. <laughs> so, right on, on day one, and then obviously the team didn't pay us for, for like two weeks because they didn't have any home gates because they had, they were relying on, you know, getting their home fans in so they could, you know, give you your money before. Um, and like back then, the team would have bought you, my team brought me sticks, but... Um, I needed pads and gloves, and it was actually, you know, I'm going to give Taff a big shout out here. He um, he got me some pads from Bayer. Um, even though I was leaving, you know, to go to England, he got me some pads, so I had like nice fresh pads going over. So that's something I'm, I'm always grateful for. It's the uh, and then I wore them the, the season after when I was back in Belfast. So not easy. You give up a lot of money and you give up a lot of time, and you miss out on a lot of things to try and do it. And that's something that I don't think a lot of you know young kids uh, appreciate. How hard it is, a lot of them, you know, just think, oh, I'll play junior under 16, and then, you know, just jump straight onto a pro team. It doesn't really work like that over here, you know? They go, everything you said is absolutely 100% correct. And we've talked about this a few times, a few podcasts about the development uh, of hockey in Northern Ireland. Yes, we all know there's only one ice rink in the, in the on Northern Ireland slash Ireland. Um, hopefully that's being worked on. But a lot of people don't realize the sacrifices players do make. I mean, you're just saying about what you know, what you've been through, and, and as a 18, you know, didn't skate until you're 18, or didn't play until you're 18. Um, you know, a lot of your time is was spent off the ice on on rollerblades uh, to basically learn your your game to a certain extent as well. But how how yes yes in your position with regards to uh, you're you're the third goaltender uh, for the Belfast Giants, but with the the development and the kids that are coming through right now. It is so difficult to get to this level of the IHL and the players. I mean, we, you, you look at like suppose like uh, Lewis Hook, guys who have been playing for years. Um, you know, I think they've started the season off very, very well again. But we're expecting kids to come through to play at that level is so so difficult, and yeah. they a lot of people don't realize the sacrifice that you have to put in place. You have to go and do what you've just done. I mean, that that's the first time that you've told me that. That's the first time, you know, that that's come across, and certainly on our podcast, I know that. Um, but it's not all easy going. If, if anybody wants to go and do this as a job, they need to give up everything. They need to yeah. focus everything on becoming a professional hockey player. It's not going to suit yeah. everybody. It's not going to happen for everybody. But that's what needs to happen. Would you agree with that? Hundred percent. The um, I, uh, as you were saying, we used to, I used to go and play in Scotland every weekend, and it was something stupid like eighty pounds a weekend. I would play in Scotland, go play under eighteens, under nineteens, whatever it was, and 
then I would play in the SNL as well, which, um, and luckily, you know, I've done well in those tournaments. Um, I think I was like the player of the year and thing, players player of the year, that sort of stuff. So I did have like a little bit of, I don't know, talent or something. And uh, and then that summer, I was you know, paying to go to Stevie Lyle's goalie camps, like going over there and sleeping on the floor of a hotel and paying the money myself to go. Because I was an adult by then. Like once you're 18, you're an adult, you know. I'm not going to ask my mum for the money or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And and then that summer I was working I was working full time insurance and then uh Nathan Craze, he was the backup, was uh he said, uh, Murph is injured uh, coming into the season and they need a goalie. Can you come? I quit my job that day, <laughs> you know, like selling insurance. I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. And I'd just been off at Steve Lad's goalie camp. I'd no more time, you know, to take off, so I, I quit the job. Um I was working down in Korean. Um just handed him a resignation and uh yeah. Had to come, went straight up to practice, and I was only, I was only given. They, they said you can skate for a couple of weeks during training camp. There's a couple of friendly games. One was against Newcastle in the Ice Bowl. One was against like an Irish All Stars type thing um, down in Dundalk. So we went that, and ended up, you know, they threw me on for the uh, the Dundalk game for like the last, I don't know, ten minutes or something like that there, and completely worth it. You know, I, whenever I got back. To, uh, we we left from Belfast. Whenever I got back, I remember just sitting in the car for sort of like five minutes and thinking, well, you know what? You sort of you done what you wanted. You done what you dreamed. You know, can, no one can ever take that away from you. Um, not knowing I would end up, you know, playing for another ten, eleven years type thing. Um, but yeah, as I said, I quit my job to because I knew whenever that opportunity came, it's probably not coming again. You know, um, if one of the other goalies had taken it, Scott Baker staff or whoever else was around at the same time. It could be them, you know, they're playing instead of me because, you know, let's face it, there's not there's not a lot of nets to go around. So I had to take that opportunity to so quit my job and, yeah, stepped on the ice. And luckily at the end of that two weeks, uh, Smurts asked me, oh, he was like, look, we want you to stay around for like the season. Actually, I think after like, the second day, he asked me what age I was. <laughs> and uh, so I was 21. And I, I lied to him. I said, oh, I'm 20 because I thought 21 seemed too old. So I said, oh, I'm only 20, you know. So, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I ended up staying around that whole year. Backed up for Edinburgh, backed up for Sheffield. And, yeah, really enjoyed that year, actually. It was, it was a great introduction to hockey. Going back to Twitter, I've got a question here from Catherine Hughes. He says, Elsa Hughes is t- 10 years old and not allowed a social media account, but wants to know Dicko's most memorable game as a giant. Most memorable games of giant. Um, first, first win at home against. Although you know what, see, to be honest with you, I, I remember very little from actually playing in games, and you'd think I would remember more because there's a limited amount. But the um, I, I do remember making a, a save in overtime that just hit my shoulder. I went into the net, and I remember we were three 0 down that game. And then also I remember um, Jeffrey Swears. Strips the guy with the puck in the corner, centers it to my pal Jeff Mason, who's like a super offensive D man. If you haven't, if anyone's new and hasn't seen him play before, he's <laughs> he's scoring. I just remember like skating, you know, doing the bomb down the ice to everyone else in the bottom corner, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that's a real special one. I'll always remember that one. Um, the uh, it was like I was actually going through like a pretty pretty rough time at the time as well. My Without getting into the whole ins and outs, yeah. my mum was in rehab and things like that at the time. So I was like, no one really knew. I was going through like a real stressful time, and uh, you know, hockey was a way of getting my mind off that. And uh, yeah, it was um, 
was really special. I'll never never forget that one. And I remember it was even better because the night before, I got absolutely shelved in Fife. And I was worried they weren't going to play me the next day. I remember actually Murph didn't go. I remember taking some Murph. I'm not sure they're going to play me. He's like, well, I'm not playing, so <laughs> you'll be playing. So, yeah, a really special game. There you go. I'm going to take you off topic. Um, you know, I get the chance to pop up the watch train every once in a while. And uh, I just was chatting with a few boys today, trying to get a wee bit of just something to ask you. So one of the things, a few of the boys, I'll let you decide who, who asked us to, to pass this on, but um, tell us about your flan lessons. <laughs> who would have asked that? I don't know who asked that. Um, my flying lessons. Um, yeah, well, I can fly a plane. Um, my granddad was a pilot. Um, and then I decided, oh, I could probably do that. It looks all right. It doesn't look that hard. And I went for like a lesson and I was able to sort of fly the first time. But it's actually dead easy to fly a plane. Flying a plane is not the hard part. The hard part's actually learning, you know, the laws and what to do in certain situations and then talking to the tower. So I had a good friend right in LA. He's a pilot. So I went out there for like a month and just flew every day. So that was, um, yeah. Pilot, you'll not see me flying easy jet anytime soon. It's too expensive, man, to, to become a pilot. It's like anything, probably the same. You know, if you want to do that, you're going to have to give up everything and and uh, cost yourself a lot of money. So maybe something for after after hockey, I'll get back into. Um, I'm not even sure if I can because I'm asthmatic. But um, Is it, yeah, the flying lessons are. Does that stop you? Good fun. I, does it stop you being a pilot? Being asthmatic? Um, no, yeah, I'm asthmatic. Yeah. No, but does it stop you being a pilot? I'm not sure. Some things do because obviously sometimes you can have limited oxygen and carbon pressure and things like that. There, I, I don't think so. I think if you're if you're reasonably fit, you, you'd be all right. It stops you getting into like the military and things like that. There, I know that much, but um, but yeah, no, I'm sure I'd be all right. I could just lie and get my way through it. But nice. um, yeah, if you ever want to go flying, well, I, I've got a friend and uh, I'll take you up if, you, if you're brave enough. We'll go for a spin over the Arch Peninsula. Happy days. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, tell us about your pastime at breaking golf clubs. Oh, man. He, he's that Murph. So. <laughs> no names. The, um, this actually no wasn't Murph. It's not my fault, in fairness. I just, a man, that was one frustrating sport, and I love it. I, I Last night, I threw my six iron off my bag, and not only did I break the six iron, I broke the stinking leg of the bag as well, and then I had to carry the thing the whole way home. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's, that sport's a different a different level of frustration, but it's it's quite good whenever you whenever you're. Says he's an alright golfer, I think. So I hear, so he tells me. He tell you that. Huh? The, um, Pity that anyway. I do, but you know the only the only saving grace is I've learned how to fix them all myself. So yeah, I'm getting good at that as well. But um, I the left said about golf there because that's I'll end up cursing. Let it not be said that. AVFTB leave any stone unturned when it comes to trying to find out a bit of information. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. we'll not use this person's real name, but we'll call her Mrs. Dixon for now. Um, okay. It tells us a story that you might want to finish off about one time when a guy called Clarky called to your house and left a uh-huh. message with her. <laughs> How did you find that one? Out? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't need to talk about. It. You have to. You have to I will. I will at least, you know, I've got my options open in terms of my mum anyway. That was last Christmas. I was out playing golf and he he's, he's a, he plays for the SNL. I used to be my boss as well, Clark, and he went around to my house to probably steal my, my, my hockey gloves out of my garage. So he was talking to my mum or whatever. 
And that was, I think that was at like two o'clock in the afternoon or something stupid. Like I got there and I'd been out golfing. So I came back at like six that night. And, uh, so it's every year I, I bring the tree home. I go by the tree and my mum, me and my mum are putting up the tree and I'm like, oh, it's a little bit quiet tonight, you know? So I'm putting up the tree, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I, I didn't actually had moved up to my apartment yet. She goes, I hear you're moving in with a fella. And I was like, aye, it looks like it. She's like, aye, okay. Uh, Turkey says it's your, uh, it's, it's your partner. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, he said, he said it's your partner. I was like, what do you mean? you're gay Andrew I was like what I'm not, I'm not gay and she's like listen Andrew I don't care if you're gay and I was like but I'm not gay mum she's like listen I accept if you're gay and I was like mum I'm not gay I've, I've had like five girlfriends she goes aye that's what he said but you haven't had anything in a while have you I was like alright then whatever and she would not believe me she thinks I'm coming up and she needs to watch that boy but I wouldn't care that's a bell there that's a belter. Well, listen, Dicko, we're going to let you go on that note. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. No worries, lads. Have a good night. Big thanks to Dicko for his time and remarkable, remarkable insight as to what it is to be in a role like that. Couldn't thank you enough for that. And, but, Harry, uh, again, I mean, I know we talked to him um, after we did that, but I have to echo what Davey said, you know, um, I don't think he realizes how much he actually is appreciated, you know. Okay. And that's not just by the fans. You know, this is from this is from the guys that are in the locker. This is from the guys that do, you know do the coaching as well. They see how much effort he puts into it. Yes, he's you know he's the first to take a out of somebody. Yes, he's the you know he's a real joker. We all know that. Um, but the time, um, you know the the the. You know, the miles that he puts in, I'm pretty sure he's still living up in Balamoney with his parents, or up in that neck of the woods anyway. Um, you know, he's down every day for training. He's down for pre-games on a Saturday or Sunday, whatever it may be. Um, he comes down for the games. Um, and, you know, I know he listens to the podcast. And that was a, I, I thought that interview was probably one of the better ones that I've ever been involved in. Yep, I think that over over the course of these, when we've been lucky enough to have the guys on, we've had some fab interviews, but again, that sort of insight and for Dicko to be so forthcoming with some of the experiences he had and how difficult it obviously is for a, a young lad like him coming through to try to get a position and, and he's very frank about his role within the team and, and, and no doubt it's frustrating and you can hear that from him, but, uh, but to get that insight I thought was remarkable. Yeah, I just think it made us. Uh, it's a massive thank you to, um, from well, from me, from from all our from all the Belfast Giants fans. Um, you know, for for playing and living out our dream. Um, uh, yeah. Playing for the Belfast Giants is just is, it's phenomenal. And and for do it, yes, yes, we all know he's a backup goaltender um, and, and third goaltender this year. But uh, for doing that for such a long, long time as well, it's uh, it needs to be a big part in the back then. Here, here. Um, right, let's have a quick look around the league. Uh, we talked about earlier about the Stars and their victory over the Belfast Giants. It was a four-point weekend for them because they went to Manchester and sorry, they hosted Manchester and took a win there. So it was a four-point weekend for the Dundee Stars. It was also a four-point weekend for the Glasgow Clan. Amazingly, considering how we assessed them the other week, they've got their stuff together and they took a six-two win in the Viola Arena against the Cardiff Devils on Saturday and then went to Sheffield and took a 4-3 win. Uh, I think they were 4-1 up at one point uh, to 4-3 win against the Steelers. Um, 
Davy, you know, we we spoke about it last week about how we we felt that the clan really were struggling to string passes together. So to go into Cardiff for a start and then Sheffield on the road and to take two wins is a hell of a turnaround. You got to give a lot of credit to the players there, but I would assume you've got to give a lot of players plaudits to the coach there as well. He's obviously went back to the drawing board on Monday morning. I would say the boys skated hard at the start of that week. I don't get it. I don't get how a team could be so abject in defeat against us to go and turn in two performances on the road against what should be title contenders, both of them. Okay, it's early season. Sheffield have obviously made you know, changes on the back of that as well, but um, maybe those changes were coming, who knows? But, you know, I didn't see that coming, you know, so credit to them, I guess. Uh, Cardiff went on to lose in the Cup 5-1 the next night in Coventry, a tough weekend for them. Blair Riley didn't play uh, in the game against Coventry because he took a hit from uh, from Pitt the night before. Uh, so do you think that Cardiff are having a few teething problems or, or is it a, just a bit of a CHL hangover? Uh, look, uh, they're going to come good. Um, you know, they're, they're certainly will be disappointed with two losses at the weekend. But you know, the Sunday game was that it was a Challenge Cup, didn't you say? Yeah. Mm. You know, so again, they'll they'll still be there there about the end of the season. But you know, for again, fair play to, to uh, Glasgow for for handing to him in Cardiff, and then the funniest bit for Sheffield for me was um, Andrew Wah, or sorry, not Andrew um, Matthew Wah. Um, you know, did, did you see him walking off the ice with Burger King? Huddle? He did, yeah. I thought that was right. I thought that was top trolling. Like I thought that was a Patrick Smith move. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and the you know, the, I, I know I listened to Fitzy's interview after the game, and um, you know, and he was he was a wee bit surprised that he didn't uh, why didn't get a um, more welcoming um, uh, welcome. Funny enough. Um, from the uh, Sheffield fans, but listen, do you know what? Uh, seeing a warm up, see if guys come out in the warm up and get a round of applause for the likes of Blair Riley. He comes back in the Belfast. I know he's hurt for a minute, but he comes back in the Belfast when we play him, and the Giants fans, you know, give him a bit of a, um, a clap coming in for for a warm up. That's fair enough. That's okay. You know, he, he won trophies here. He was a captain of our club, and that's fair enough. See, as soon as the game starts, I couldn't give a toss what to do then. You know, they can give him every time he touches the puck. Great peacock. Every time he comes into Belfast and touches the puck, he gets booed. So what? It's sport. Get on with it. Suck it up. That, well, I think that's bang on. I think that, that there was an article today, I think, that Bob Westerdale wrote about the Sheffield Steelers have stopped welcoming players back uh, when they play against them. If, if, you've, if you've ever been to Sheffield when a when a former player comes back with an opposing team, when they're, when they're lining up for the anthems, they, they say, you know, welcome back to whoever, Jackson Whistle or whatever. You know, they, they welcome back a former player on as they're lining on the blue lines for a round of applause. That hasn't happened this season. It didn't happen for Matthew what it didn't happen for uh, Jackson Whistle. There's a bit of a debate among Steelers fans as to whether it's it's a good move or a bad move. Davy, uh, it's nonsense. You don't need to ask me hardly an opinion on that. You know, sports not supposed to be nice. It's not supposed to be welcoming to, to come to the Odyssey for a start off or the SSE. And you know, the the only one person I've ever felt sorry for in all my times as a Giants fan coming as a member of the opposition was Shane Johnston when whenever we unveiled the banner yeah. from winning the league the season before and he was with the Sheffield Steelers and he had to stand there kind of it was his banner and he had a different uniform on he should never be allowed to go that's another complete story but 
you know, we're not here to make it comfortable for the opposition. Do you think when players leave in Germany and go back to Augsburg or they go to Liberets in the Czech Republic, they get a round of applause? Of course they don't. You play for us, you're a hero, and you don't play for us, you're nothing. And that's just sport. You know, off the ice, you can go and sink a beer with these guys afterwards. You can ask for their autograph. You can do all those things. You can wait at the steps of the bus and be their pal. When you're on the ice and you're against us, you're in the opposition, you are against us. You are against, you're trying to stop my team winning. You're trying to stop my city winning. You're trying to stop my country winning. Get lost. <laughs> I couldn't be any better than that, to be honest. <laughs> um, personnel changes in Sheffield as well. St. Pierre moves on. The Steelers stating that he was on a short-term deal. Don't remember reading that. But anyway, he, apparently he was on a short-term deal. He's gone. Lucas Sandstrom from the Elisvenskin has come in. Aaron Johnson is always out. Sorry, is also out long-term with a busted digit. Um, Steelers looking for a replacement on D, says. Yeah, you know, it's, it's again, it's great to see there's a wee bit of um, hassle in, in uh, Sheffield. But, you know, St. Pierre coming in the short-term deal and allegedly, uh, you know, getting booted. And this guy's played at the top level of the last one. KHL, um, and uh, I think it was a Coonland Red Star, and then he was playing Barris. And, you know, he's played in the, he's played in the NHL as well. So, okay, he's not, he hasn't, you know, he's, he hasn't let the world up this year at the and Sheffield um, after five games, um, look, it's it's what they do. It's uh, if they've got the money there to to uh, fire about, I'm sure they'll go out and like the trampoline or D man and the cover iron. And he's out, but it is what it is. Like, they can do, they can run their club, see fit, and uh, I, I don't really care. Uh, okay. Docs. First opportunity, really, since the start of the season. Docs. To run past the uh, the Docs jingle. Docs. Uh, pretty. I don't want to say a innocuous one, but anyway, Brett Ferguson of the Guildford Flames has been suspended for one game for a slew foot. Uh, it's a two place in the opening minutes of the game against the Five Flyers. Any chance saw this? Yeah, I seen it. Um, I think it's a fair call, to be honest. Um, you know, nobody likes a slew foot, and uh, it needs to be cut out of the game. So um, he misses one game, and and we move on. Pretty innocuous, David. Yeah, I think you can be lucky if you only get one game when it comes to slew footing. Um, it's a it's a very very dangerous play. You know, you run the risk of a. A bad smack to the back of the head. So yeah. you've got to be very careful when you're, you know. I, I also think there's technique issues um, with, with certain players um, when it comes to slew fitting. It's just the way they hit. And uh, that's that's something that's trained. And you need to train yourself out of it because it's a dangerous play. And uh, Dobbs will stamp down on that, and rightly so. Yep, Dobbs assessing them. One game suspension. Uh, right. Let's move on. Let's have a quick look ahead to the games against the Five Flyers. Challenge Cup competition, home and away for the Belfast Giants. Home on Saturday, 7 p.m. Away on Sunday, 6.30 p.m. at uh, Five Eyes Arena in Kirkcaldy. Uh, before we hear from David and from Simon, Joel got to catch up with the head coach of the Five Flyers, Mark Dudium. Todd Dudium. 
<laughs> leave them both in, mate. Leave them both in. Yeah, leave them both in, right. It's my pleasure, as always, to be joined by Fife Flyers head coach, Mr. Fife, Todd Didiam. Coach, welcome back to View from the Bridge. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for having me. I enjoy talking to you guys. <laughs> Always got to get the Mister Fife in there. Uh, what have we? Yeah. What have we caught you during tonight? Is it? Is it Coach Judy, Daddy Judy, a bit of both? Yeah, a little mix of both is usually my world, but um, <laughs> we got we got the balance down to a fine T. So yeah, it's an art form. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, we'll get to the Challenge Cup in a second, but uh, you need to look no further than the league table to see that the Fife Flyers have had a fantastic start to the 2019-20 season, sitting top of the pile with three wins out of four games played. Were you confident coming into the season? And what do you say to the armchair pundits around the league who don't expect the Flyers to stay up there? Well. The team came together um, late, as I'm sure you guys keep your eye on things all around the league, and a number of teams waited to fill these slots. That was the market this year. Um, It turned out that we waited long enough for a a lot of good, smart choices. Um, I'm very happy with the changes that have been put in place and, you know, it's certainly viewed as a few upgrades and um, offensive production is up as well. So um, all in all, um, we've got off to a great start. Now it's a long season and um, one of the troubles that we've run into in, in previous years is been the injury bug. We, we don't carry extra guys and, probably more than more economic than anything else mm-hmm. but um you know as, as we stay, stay healthy you know i feel we have a team that's capable of um of uh, competing on most and that that's really been our aim over the the years when you compete on on every night um the results generally take care of themselves as far as armchair pundits go um listen um you know, I've been around long enough to to see people make snap decisions on lineups before they've even iced and um, snap decisions on players after a couple losses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunately in the longer game, and um, we know we're up against some very, very stiff competition, not only from our, our Champions League representatives, but from the league in its entirety. Um, if anybody's been keeping an eye on uh, the league scores, they've seen that there's been an incredible amount of what people call shocking um, <laughs> results. Yep. Whereas, you know, we view it more as um, <laughs> that's just the league getting tighter and tighter over the years. And um, it can only be good for the UK. Yeah. And I mean, let's look at the, the results you've had in the league so far. Two of your three wins and those four league games have come at home and they have been emphatic wins. You, you turned over the Panthers 4-2, uh, you beat the Blaze 6-3. How much of a factor is having that notoriously difficult building to visit? Oh, it plays a huge factor. And, you, you know, we we actually see it in, in other buildings uh, around the league. There's some buildings that are easy to go into and 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 you know you go into these with what feels like a level playing field other places like people have certainly said about Fife can be a very difficult place to come back if you're chasing the game yeah um and 
you know, we've been fortunate enough to do that um, many times over the years, and it, it certainly gets the crowd into it right away. And uh, with the atmosphere in that building, it, you know, it's not as the biggest attendance as, as some of the stadium teams, but it certainly can be as loud, if not louder. I've talked before of my uh, my affinity for Fife and, and just how old school that crowd is. Um, I couldn't agree more. Let's turn our attention now to the Challenge Cup, if you don't mind. Fife and Belfast are both 1-1 one one in the Cup so far, uh, with two games in hand in the group, and of course the Home Away Series coming up this weekend. What are you focusing your preparations on ahead of your first battles with the Giants this season? Well, my initial impressions in the, uh, their Champions League performances were... Um, I'm sure I uh, I sat glued to the television watching this team play. They were playing playoff hockey, only being together um, for a couple of weeks. But as you guys will be well aware, that the domestic ca- campaign is completely different. Um, they probably expected uh, their league um, to kick off a little differently. Um, but it's always it appears to be a tough adjustment for some of these teams coming back. Um, I have no doubt that this team is going to find its stride and very quickly. And, um, you know, with a team as, as deep as the Giants and well-balanced and Adam has them um, working incredibly hard, you, you know, just saying to the guys, we, we just need to compete at our best, um, respect your opponents, but be willing to push back and and fight for what's yours. And, um, you, you know, we're going to go into this opening weekend uh, against this club with our eyes open and um, we want to compete in both matches now uh, to absolutely nobody's surprise I'd like to talk about goaltending uh, you, you obviously parted ways with Shane Owen in the off season and brought in Adam Morrison the, the Canadian with uh, extensive ECHL experience so far he's posted a 2.26 uh, goals against average and a 9.33 save percentage in the league and a 1.53 goals against a 9.53 percentage in the Challenge Cup fair to say that defensive unit's gelling well absolutely and um you know over the years we've really gotten to and i know a lot of coaches do it um as is uh, as as per um kind of normal but um we're really trying to hammer home uh, all six guys on the ice are are you know important in our defensive structure whatever zone we tend to be in and we prefer to play hard defense anytime we turn over the puck or there is a turnover. Um, it's worked well for us early on. Um, and it really comes down to, you know, adhering to, yes, the system in place, but just making sure that that work ethic is there night in and night out and, and not taking nights off. I know that, you know, in the years past, we've been inconsistent performers at times very difficult in, in the sport we play in to maintain that over the course of the season's entirety. Some teams have managed to do it well. It's something that we've improved on uh, over the years, but I don't think that we've perfected um, the style exactly as we want it, but we're, we're certainly making big strides towards it. Of course, on the flip side of that, you will face Shane Owen in Giants colours for the first time this weekend. Uh, during a game, are you conscious of the little kind of entertaining subplots like getting one up on an old player, or do you leave that kind of thing to the fans? 
Um, there seems to be a bit of a, a debate about that going around the league right now. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Shane. We worked with him for a couple seasons here in Fife. Um, he was a standout in a line of excellent goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Um, an incredible character, too. It's probably a big reason why he was um, heavily recruited in the off season. That being said, I'm absolutely delighted with the goaltender that um, we found in Adam Morrison. I talked to him extensively over the summer. Um, he's another guy that brings this professional um, attitude to the rink on and off the ice. And, you know, a lot was made about our goaltender recruitment in the summer. And, you know, a lot was said about him before he even... Uh, um, Played a game for us, but you know I hope that he's he's proving the doubters wrong. And you know, as a coaching staff and as a group of guys, we've we've certainly never doubted his capabilities. And you know, it appears that he's really enjoying his hockey, and he's doing a fantastic job for us. Uh, and on the on the forward lines, uh, Flyers veterans Danik Gauthier and Chase Shaver are the league's current top two goal scorers with four apiece. Um, for someone like the, the the home attendance in Belfast this weekend, who maybe hasn't seen the nineteen twenty Flyers in the flesh yet, are they your ones to watch, or has someone else impressed you in this opening month? Yeah, well, there, there's a reason why we we've brought these guys back on multiple occasions. We certainly know what what these guys are capable of. I think that everybody was well aware that Chase Shaver was carrying a serious injury for the majority of last season, yeah. being the team guy that he is. He played through that, knowing that he wasn't at his best. But you know, the team, along with him, righted that um, and made sure we kept on top of his recruit or his recovery over the um, the, the summertime. And it's certainly paying dividends for both him and us. Um, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Chase Shaber, and mm-hmm. uh, I think he still has more to offer. Danik Goche, it looks as if the continuing to skate in the summer and having as much ice time that he has had, he's, he's hit mid-season form right now, and we just want to find a way of maintaining that across the season because he's a very dynamic and dangerous player. That being said, we've always kind of prided ourselves in having three lines that are capable of producing offense. And we have a number of threats that, um, you know, if if somebody's not clicking uh, on a given night, um, these guys are capable of picking up uh, the slack and, you, you know, producing good numbers on their own. Carlo Fanucci got a couple the other night against Coventry. He does, yeah. And so did Tim Crowder. So... It shows that we're dangerous on 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 a bunch of different levels, um, and and that kind of ties in with what we're trying to build over the years. Well, look, I'm excited for uh, what I'm sure will be an entertaining series this weekend. Um, as always, Coach, we appreciate your time, your honesty, your frankness. Um, we wish you all the best and safe travels this weekend. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks to Dutes, Todd, not Mark. Um, I don't wonder how Mark's getting on these days. Anyway. Uh, Fife says um, they're riding high in the Elite League. They had a bit of a winning streak snapped by the Flames there recently, but um, Dutes put together his team pretty late in the off-season, but no doubt, it, for lack of a better pun, they've come out flying. Yeah, they're, they're, the uh, league, they're sitting uh, top of three games, or sorry, four games played, and they've won three of them. This is Challenge Cup, uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's... 
the Giants need to basically pick up a win this weekend on the Saturday and then move into the Sunday. But the Fife's never an easy team to play against. You know, Dutch does a good job organizing his team the way uh, he has them playing. It's the same every year. Very similar to, to Dundee, in my opinion. You know, they'll wait for Belfast to, to make mistakes if that comes along. Hopefully the Giants can continue on from where the, the same sort of play they had on, on Sunday against uh, Nottingham. But it, it's again, it's, it's there's no easy teams in this league anymore. You know the the Edinburghs and the Milton Keynes of all. You know they're now gone, and and uh, you know this is going to be a tough, tough ask. And you know playing against Fife it has been, you know they beat us uh, numerous times last year and the year before. Um, so I'm not expecting anything to be handed to us. We've got to work hard. Uh, the boys, as I say, were, were practicing this morning. It was a tough practice, and and. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the Saturday night to start off with, anyway. But it's it's not going to be easy. David, you know, says you know we're not that far away from guys clicking, and we're going to end up battering somebody. How how close do you think we are to, to hitting full stride? We're very creative. Um, we've got speed back to front. Um, a little bit loosey goosey. Would that be fair to say, Simon, on Saturday? Saturday, Saturday, absolutely. You know, the last. Uh, very happy with the way, uh, as a team, we played. Uh, you know, going forward, you know, we're always going to cause teams problems. We're a big, strong unit, but you know, it, it's defensively is you know you've got to start from the back and work your way forward. You know, uh, offensively, I don't think there's an issue with uh, the way we're we're playing. Um, yeah, it's, it'd be great improving in the special teams, but yeah. um, especially you know with the extra man. But uh, you know, when those opportunities come along, you need to take them. But uh, you know, I, I just think that. Uh, if we can continue and play more like we did on Sunday and not Saturday, uh, we'll we're, we're be in a good place. If we look at, at last weekend, and, and we've discussed already about you know dropping points in the Challenge Cup going on, very important to pick up because points are very valuable in, in the Elite League at this time of year, as valuable as they are in April. It's just the way the league's set up. We want to win the league. That'll be our number one target for the season. Um, so in terms of how last weekend went, you've got your two points, you've shut out your opposition, you've had 50-odd attempts on goal, you, you, there, and you have still things you want to work on. As Simon has said, the special teams, power play has been okay, but it has given up opportunities going the other way too often this season. That's something that we'll be working on, I've absolutely no doubt, and, and practice all week long. It's, I think Dicko talked about it on the on the webcast when he was on with Simon last week about how hard they're working on special teams especially with the extra man um, during practice during the week. So we've worked on that. We get another chance, another home game coming up. So, you know, we'll not we'll not look, be looking beyond the first game of this weekend. I know it's cliche to say, and I hate this part of the show, but I just think we we created, you know, in terms of cre- creation with over 100 shots on, on the opposition net, whether they were blocked, whether they were wide, on target, off target, whatever. We still created those opportunities and got shots away. So, you know, in terms of that, Offense is there, just needs a little something to click. Maybe those personnel changes, sort of swap around, something clicks in practice this week. And as I said, I would like to see the goaltender getting worked a wee bit more left to right and east to west. And, uh, you know, I expect good things come from this team. As Simon has said, I'll not put a date on it, but somebody's going to get spanked. If you want to give Davy a break from this part of the show, uh, yeah. next, week, next week we play Guildford and uh dundee if you want to have your own little preview send us a send us an audio and i'll play that instead of davy because he doesn't like talking about it you all right with that davy 
I'd really appreciate that. Yeah, so if you want if you want to give a little bit of a preview of Guildford and Dundee next week, send us an audio of it to uh, at AVFTB or, or our podcast at kingdomofjans.com and I'll put it in here instead of Davey. Uh, the two games, Fife at home, SSE Arena in the Challenge Cup, 7pm. Get down to the SSE for that game or you'll catch uh, Mr. Kitchen. And who's joined this week, man? Uh, to be confirmed. Um, we're trying to... I've reached out to a couple of um, old players. To um, when I say old players, players who used to play for the Giants. Um, I've reached out to a couple of guys, so I'm waiting to hear back and see who's available. And uh, and then I think Sheds is he's away to Spain this week, so he wants to do the following week. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's, there's guys who enjoy doing it. There's guys that um, sort of feel backed into it, but um, you know I enjoy uh, getting that different view from from players who are still playing, who have just finished playing, um, who know the guys in the locker room. Um, I, I think it's it's uh, great to have the view of, of people who know what they're talking about, and then I'll just fill in around the outside of it. Uh, you do yourself down, mate. I think the coverage, as always, this year has been has been excellent from Jans TV, both on on the mic and behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, that game, Five Flowers at home, Saturday, 7pm. Get your tickets for it or get yourself on the Giants TV uh, and on Sunday away in Kirkcaldy at the Five Ice Arena uh, in the Challenge Cup. 6.30pm on Sunday. Um, Fife webcast, we hope. There were problems last year, remember? They sort of said there was a webcast and then there wasn't. So let's hope there's a webcast for the game against Fife. We'll bring you details of that if we can on at AVFTB. Any other business, gentlemen? I have a couple. Go on. Um, the first one is a view from the bench. <laughs> uh, Get that right, man. Yeah, I started last weekend. Um, huge success. Uh, you know, very, very popular. Um, we've now, out of you, if you take the 29, 30 games that are uh, guaranteed at the arena, uh, we're already sold out on eight. Um, we're already uh, sold. There's, there's 10 spaces each game. We've already sold 116 uh, out of that total. So that's in the first week of putting them up for sale. It's a brilliant um, incentive that's been put up by the Giants, uh, uh, OSC. They've, they've put all the hard work in. Uh, you know, Johnny, Christine, Andrea, um, Kathy, Michael, Ryan. Um, sure, I'm missing somebody out. Uh, Nicola, you know, so and uh, Susan as well. So, you know, it's basically what happens is you get a little look behind the scenes. So. Um, you, you, you can pay for it on the bridge at the OCD. Uh, it costs £20. You get a unique signed puck from your favourite player, uh, a signed photograph from your favourite player. Uh, you get to go behind the scenes of uh, the Belfast Giants. We'll always try and get a member of the coaching staff or the management team to go in and have a chat with you before uh, you actually come out and then stand and watch the guys go out from the tunnel. Uh, you get a bit of a chance to look in the locker room from where uh, Adam prepares the team to... Um, to get ready on to go onto the ice, and then you go out and you watch um, around about ten minutes of the warm up from the bench, which you, know, you can't get any closer to these guys. You know the boys come over and they will let you do selfies with them, they will let you know um, sign autographs and, and take photographs, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. But a huge, a huge successful in the first couple of weeks uh, that we've been run that night, and uh, really looking forward to um, to the rest of the season with it. Number two is a bit of a personal one. Um, I was looking through a lot of stuff and just trying to tidy up. And I've been in the house three years this this month. And, you know, you've always got that room 
um, that you throw all your crap into. And and I was tidying it up this week and came across a, a couple of old photographs from when I was playing, like when I was a kid playing. Like, um, and it sort of got me thinking, looking through the photographs, and there's there's, there's people that are no longer with us um, in the photographs. And uh, there was one in particular that um, I used to play with a guy called Mickey Gregson. Um, and unfortunately, Mickey lost his life there probably about, must be about 10, maybe 12 years ago now. Um, he was only a couple of years older than me, uh, but, you know, one of the funniest people I've ever met and um, to play with as well, especially, you know, going, Dicko talked about going with away for away trips and stuff like that. Mickey was hilarious. Like, I mean, he was just a genuine piss taker and brilliant to have in locker and brilliant to have on the ice. Good player too. Um, and there was also um, an art guy called Monkey, uh, Gary Irwin was there, um, and Henry Brannigan. Um, and Henry Brannigan, uh, still, a, a, he's a giant season ticket holder to this day. Um, his wife, Anne, go to every single game. Um, and it's sort of, I actually got a wee bit emotional over it, to be honest, because I probably, I mean, myself and, and there was a numerous teammates at that stage, and Stu McMaster jumps to mind because Stu was just mad. Like, um, and we had some we had some real characters in that dressing room, but we never really appreciated what happens behind the scenes of a hockey team. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a, when we were, were eight, I was 16, 17, 18, maybe 19 years of age. Um, Stu was a year older than me. There was a couple of guys. Henry and Anne had their, their own three kids, Jamie and Chris Browning, and both played. Um, Nikki was, uh, uh, Nicola was, a, she went every, every weekend. She traveled with us as well. So, you know, they were, again, a couple of years older than me. And, and I never really appreciated the efforts, the time, the money that they put in to put in my sport and getting us to Scotland to play games. And I just wanted to say thank you. Um, again, it's it wasn't just them. You have Nancy, you know, no, 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 Stuart, wears your stupid hats. Um, you know, with playoffs and yeah. dress up a referee. And, you know, Nancy and Stuart Barrett um, used to come and watch us play on every single weekend. Nancy's brother, Jackie, was heavily involved right back at the very start. Um, Jackie Cash, and then this is going to Scotland. I was involved with Lance before that, so he was Bob Archibald and Jacko's dad, Bob Jackson. Um, you know, all these guys and uh, that, you know, they used to lift and lay me. They used to lift me from home in Ballybay, take me to the ice bowl, um, take me home at night. It wasn't even, was, this is when I was 15, 16 years of age. I was then getting up for school the next morning, going to school, couldn't wait to get back to disco skating at the half past five, six o'clock the next day. Um, and then wait for the training sessions at the half past 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I know I'm going on here a wee bit, but uh, it, it's just at that level. And even the, I was talking to Bubba today, um, Phil McMaster up at the Ice Bowl. He works at the Ice Bowl now. Um, he's playing for the SNL team. He's looking for personal sponsors, as are all the players. And Davey talked about this in the podcast last week or the week before as well. And for not being in a professional side of the sport, it costs a lot of money. And if you can help them, please do. Whether it's, it's you know, you're only sponsoring them 50 quid for the season. If you can help them, and uh, well, one of the players in the team, or if you can help the team, then please do. But say thank you to the people that put the time and the effort and the money in that you don't always see. Because without the likes of Henry and Jackie and and Anne and Nancy and Bob and everybody. Without those, there's no there's no amateur sport, and that's not just with football. 
Davey, I'm sure your your team at uh, Long Ashton, you know, you've got guys who put so much time into picking dog dirt up off the ground and the pitches and what have you, um, that just don't get shown the appreciation. So this is just me putting out, and I know we only get a few people listening to the podcast, but it's a massive, massive thank you because without Henry and Anne especially, I don't know where I did, what I what I ended up doing. Um, I don't know what road, what path I would have took. Um, so it's uh, it's a massive thank you to them that I'm still talking about hockey now. I think that's for a comment. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. You know, it's fantastic, and I think one of the keys for me was that, especially with yourself and your own career and the career you were able to develop from that support, is that uh, the day that I went to the back of the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto and that big WIHF uh, computer of all the goals, and I picked out Ireland, and one of the goals that's shown there is Mr. Simon Kitchen. You know, one of your goals shown in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Huh? <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big, not a big deal. And also, it's under Ireland, which was also it's, great. It's um, under Ireland. I'm still wearing my Rangers <laughs> top on the man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But listen, I'm telling you now, there's people involved in amateur sports that without them, there's no teams. And that's I, that's an absolute fact. So I just uh, briefly, very briefly, because you've you've led your heart in your sleeve, or Simon, very very well. And amazing. Do you know what? See the people, if they're listening to this, you could give them a million pounds. You could give them, well, I'm sure that would really please them, but you know, you could give them money, you could give them shirts, you could give them whatever. But you know what? Every, anybody, and I say this from myself because I do a lot around the amateur game, even in Long Ashton here and when I was in Dundonald and Blainfield or wherever, all anybody ever wants is a thank you. Yep. And a thank you means more than anything you could ever do for someone. So fair play to you for taking thirty years to do it, like. But you know, <laughs> so, um, you know what, mate? You're 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 absolutely right. I I'm, I, I'm just glad. I, yeah, and I, I'm only I'm only raking you for that. Obviously, the pictures of of jog memories and all. But you've done it, mate, and you've done it in a real sincere and special way. So I'm sure those guys will be thrilled. Well, it was really lovely to listen to, to be honest. It was, it was, I, it was, I, mean, I, was think... pain, I was a pain in the hole. Like, <laughs> I was a proper pain in the hole back then. You know, David. <laughs> and, and I'm sure people have listened to this already. I'm sure people have listened to this already. <laughs> Follow says on Twitter, but some of the pictures you've been sticking up, mate, have been absolutely brilliant. So, you know, at Kitchy16 and have a look at, at the pictures and uh, some brilliant ones, mate, some brilliant ones you've been staying up there um and on that fantastic note i think that's a good place to end it like i say two games home to five on saturday at seven away at five on uh on sunday at six thirty. webcast tickets all that sort of stuff big thanks to deco for a fantastic uh, fan agenda also to liam morgan jean dupree jeff mason and to todd dudium todd dudium um and also thanks to mr mcjimsey and mr kitchen 10 to 11 on a Tuesday night, and we're just finishing doing the podcast. And I've just had a text from Adam Keith. Um, you know, he, he just never stops. He never says stops. You're a I am. I, oh, he says I'm on here. <laughs> says I the text. Said I'm on here. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. I love you. Uh, I love you too. Dear.
And on that note, we thank you for joining us at AVFTV on Twitter, Facebook, KingdomLegends.com for all interviews and post games and all that sort of stuff. And wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Still you